Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. You know, I just can't believe it. The Waukesha, Wisconsin Parade Massacre. This could be one of the worst incidents of racist violence in the last 50 years, and nobody seems to care. Now, the alleged driver here has a long history on social media and other places of saying very horrible things about white people. This would appear at this point to be racially motivated. And nobody, I mean nobody in the mainstream media, nobody in government seems to care, especially Joe Biden. The president said that this administration is monitoring the situation in Waukesha closely. It has been revealed by prosecutors that the assailant assailant swerved his truck side to side as part of an intentional act to run over as many people as possible. Six people are dead. Some children remain hospitalized. Why hasn't the president visited the members of this Christmas parade attack? Well, I would say first, um, as you saw the president convey last week, our hearts go out to this community, to the people in Waukesha, that we've been in touch, obviously, with officials there. And we're all watching as people are recovering. And this is such a difficult time of year for for this to happen. It's a difficult any time. Uh, obviously, any president going to visit a community requires a lot of assets, requires taking their resources. And uh, it's not something that I have a, a trip previewed at this plan, point in time. But we remain in touch with local officials. And certainly our our hearts are with the community as they've gone through such a difficult time. Go ahead. Can they even pretend that they care? Can they even pretend? Talk about all the resources that it takes to uh, make a presidential trip. Well, he was able to go to uh, Nantucket for a nice little vacation, wasn't he? This is just not their priority. It should be. You know, it was when a white supremacist killed all those people in South Carolina. President Obama appropriately visited that town that was grieving. Nine people were killed by a white supremacist lunatic. How about Charlottesville? You know, one person was killed there and it changed history. Joe Biden said that's the moment he decided to run for president. I tend not to believe him. Joe Biden, (laughs) he ran for a lot of reasons, but it wasn't about racial justice. Back to Wisconsin. Uh, This does look like a open and shut case. We have to let the process play out. But this is, forget everything else, this is a big news story, right? I mean, it has to be. This is important. I was watching CNN. Right when they found out who was responsible, this is what they talked about instead. American Pie had held that top spot since it first landed on the charts in 1972. So that begs a question, John Berman, which song is better? Why does they, they're both very good, they're both strong songs. And I say that having (laughs) never heard the Taylor Swift song, 
Um, but, but I know if I and it goes on like this. That, that my Twitter account this is at seven in the morning on the East Coast. For two hours, I actually watched CNN. Not a word about the massacre in Wisconsin that happened less than two days prior. Incredible. They don't care. You know why? They can't exploit this one. They can't exploit it for power. They can't exploit it for ratings. They can, though, or they think they can, whenever a white person's involved. Here's a suspect, okay? He's a 21-year-old white man. This 21-year-old white male mass murderer. The suspect in custody is white. Police say a 28-year-old white male carrying two handguns crashed a stolen truck into a building. It's humanizing the shooter once again. Yeah, and well. can I point out that the shooter is a white man who is alive after they knew that he had killed eight people. I mean, being white seems to be part of the problem. <laughs> now, in the aftermath of Wakasha, um, what did they say about the shooter? They danced all around the motivation, alleged motivation, and certainly the race. And with that tragedy in Wisconsin, where a man drove his SUV into a Christmas parade, at least five people were killed and more than 40 injured. We learned today that the driver, now facing intentional homicide charges, was out on bond after he allegedly punched the mother of his child and intentionally ran her over with the same vehicle at a Milwaukee gas station earlier this month. NBC News has confirmed that the person of interest, the driver in this case, his name is Daryl Brooks. He's 39 years old from Wisconsin right now. So far, he's not been charged with a crime. He's just being called the person of interest. Person of interest, the man, the driver, the vehicle. We're not seeing his picture. We're not hearing a word about him. He has an extensive anti-white social media profile, but we're going to overlook all of that. Why? I'm gonna to get to the consequences of looking over the why in a moment, but this happens. It's true. We have bad people, they look like all kinds of different things, white, black, red, brown, you know the drill. But it does happen when black people kill white people because they hate white people. It happens all too frequently. Let's go through it. 2017, the Fresno shootings, three killed, 17 shots fired. Corey Ali Muhammad, he testified he planned to kill white men. In 2017, in Tennessee, the Burnett Chapel shooting, one killed, six injured. The man was tied to black supremacy groups. Emmanuel Kidega Sampson said it was in revenge for the 2015 Charleston shooting. 2016, Dallas police shootings, five police officers killed, nine officers injured. Micah Xavier Johnson stated he he wanted to kill white people, especially police officers. In Southern California in 2013, four were killed, two were police officers, three police officers injured by Christopher Dorner. He wrote a manifesto declaring war on the LAPD due to race. 2013, the Navy Yard shooting, 12 killed, three injured by Aaron Alexis. He claimed to be the victim of discrimination in the Navy. In 2010, in Connecticut, the Hartford distributors shooting, Omar eight killed, two injured. The claim motive was racism he experienced at the workplace. In 2009, Lakewood, Washington State, Maurice Clemens, four police officers killed by him. He said he planned on killing police, believed to be racially motivated. 1993, the Long Island Railroad shooting, Colin Ferguson killed six, 19 injured, claimed he was driven by racial prejudice he experienced in America. And... I could go on and on and on like this, all right? But why 
are they not interested when the faces look like this? It's kind of fascinating. They think they can't exploit this for power. All right, so I was watching the Sunday shows. Uh, it didn't come up on any of them except for this one. 30 seconds, no detail whatsoever, and look how they dance around it and bring it back to those nasty, racist Republicans. In this anecdotal uh, in instance, this guy was out on a thousand dollar bail for committing serious we, offenses. We, we so, can see the TV ads already being made. So, in fact, we saw them made in 1988. 1988, George H.W. Bush versus Michael Dukakis. Ah, Willie Horton, remember him? This was a big moment and I thought it was a very legitimate issue. Take a look. Bush and Dukakis on crime. Bush supports the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. Believe it or not, that was considered a tough ad back in 1988. And to this day, the left, they say it was a racist ad. Now, it's not racist. You saw it. I saw it. It's not racist. But it went down in the annals of political history as a racist ad. How dare you say something about Mike Dukakis's record where a person of color did something wrong? Yeah, that's a racist ad in their book. And see what Chuck Todd did? Oh, they're already going to make those, those Willie Horton-style ads. Back to Wisconsin. We are still suffering the aftermath. I mean, I think about it all the time. I know it's easy not to. But because white people were killed in that attack, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Donna Brazil, you're familiar with her? A longtime Democrat consultant. She had an opportunity to say something meaningful. Instead, it's all about white supremacy. When we talk about race, we should be able to say we're bringing it up because it is a social construct that needs to be pulled apart so that we're not judging people simply because of the way they look. I don't want my nieces or my nephews or even myself to be targeted if I'm jogging or if I'm going to the store. You know, you never have to worry about me on a Black Friday because I am not going nowhere. I'm staying home. I don't want to be targeted. I have a purse. I have a credit card or two, maybe some cash. But I don't want to be targeted. <laughs> All right. Nobody wants to be targeted, but she doesn't want to be targeted by white supremacists. Uh, she's going to stay home and not shop. She's saying this a week after Wisconsin, and she's afraid of white supremacists. Look, there are other things for her to be afraid of when she goes shopping, especially on a Friday after Thanksgiving. Has she seen what's going on out there lately? All right. The idea that they're still beating this drum about white supremacy, which is phony and stupid shows you how dishonest they are. But hey, Donna, can't be outdone by that. Listen to the others. She says something totally outrageous. It's time for more virtue signaling. But you can't ignore the fact if it's a white girl, we'll spend all kinds of resources at the, at the FBI looking for her murderer. But yet, so you say, yes, we're under-resourced. I totally agree. Nothing could be more true on an Indian reservation. But why is it that when the resources are deployed, they all seem to be deployed to white girls who go missing as opposed to Native American girls who go missing or black girls? Chris, let me put that question missing. to you. When you
It's not true, by the way, but I'm sure it felt really good for her to say that on television in front of all those people and Donna Brazil. And wow, I mean, that kind of statement is very fashionable. That's what you say on a panel show or at a dinner party. Wow, that's something, huh? What they're not talking about, the victims from Waukesha and even the perpetrator talking about him, Daryl Brooks. Look, I think he should be put to death most likely. And I have no reason to think that he's not guilty here. Death or solitary confinement forever. The stiffest possible penalty. But that doesn't mean I, I don't have some compassion for him. I grew up in a beautiful home with a mother and father. He didn't. Now that's no excuse, but maybe we could talk a little bit about what his experience was because it's far more typical than it should be. Alcoholic father, alcoholic grandfather, drugs everywhere. He wanted to be there for his children, but he couldn't pull it off. I didn't think about, you know, I got this, I got this beautiful kid who's, who's going without my time. I, I thought I would just be this wonderful father, this, just be the greatest dad ever. You know, the vision is just like, I'm gonna give him everything that I didn't have. And he wound up in jail. That's from, what, 14 years ago? I know it's not the most popular thing to say, but I'm not without compassion for that guy, certainly for the families who are lost. But ignoring this, ignoring this episode, that will not help anyone. Stay with us. Something else the mainstream media tried to ignore. Hunter Biden's laptop. Are they going to be able to ignore this book? A new book, Laptop from Hell by Miranda Devine, is available tomorrow. A preview when we come back. Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. All I can, All I can say, say is that, is that the, the fake, fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Folks, I think we all have to buy this book. This book, The Laptop from Hell by uh, Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Let's see here. It's about Hunter Biden, big tech, and the president who tried to hide the dirty secrets. Wow, that laptop, which has <laughs> it's not been debunked. It wasn't Russia disinformation. It was legitimate. It is real. And you know what? It's not over yet for the Bidens. Everything that's in there, now in book form. I loved it when it was a newspaper article by Miranda Devine, by the way. And you know, they can't, they can't write her off, all right? She is a major league journalist, impeccable credentials. This is not a Russian plant. She looked at the laptop, verified it. Now it's in book form. And you know, it's kind of wild. Divine. I know it's not spelled the same way, but I almost thought it was somewhat divine that Hunter Biden kept these records and then dropped them off at some random laptop store in Wilmington, Delaware. 
and the guy turned it over not only to the FBI, but to uh, Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. I mean, wow. That's something. That's something. Now, it's great to read this book now, and I think there's still ramifications from this laptop yet to come. Uh, but let's face it, it was more important in October of 2020. It was a huge, huge story. They got the laptop. They started publishing details from inside it. And guess what they did? Big tech kicked them off of Twitter. Now, the last time the New York Post was able to uh, tweet was October 14th of 2020. When did they let them back on Twitter? Two weeks later, more than two weeks later, these are the two critical weeks before the campaign. They tried to silence this story for the two weeks before Election Day. You think that's fair? Of course not. And by the way, New York Post, they had the story. They couldn't really advance it. They couldn't get eyeballs on it. And nobody else was picking it up. That left it to Donald Trump to make the case in the debate and watch what happened when he did that. If this stuff is true about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq, if this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody. Hey, President Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue Excuse of race. Me. We're Take talking about the, the issue. from hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. President Trump, you've I have to respond to that. Please. Because, look, Very there are 50 former national national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly it. what. Is this that's where exactly you're going? This is told. where he's going. The laptop that, right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia. I want to stay on the issue of race. All right. So Joe Biden is lying there and uh, the swamp is covering for him. The, uh, the the CIA directors, they did put out that bogus letter. Uh, they, they backed him up. But now we know he was lying. And by the way, if you look closely at this footage, Joe at times looks panicked, looks stricken. And when he responds, if you look closely, you can actually see his lip quiver a little bit. He's so nervous. Oh, Joe, you got busted. It's not over. This is not over. Now, uh, even Hunter had a basically, he could not say it was a Russian disinformation thing. He could not, he couldn't really do it. Watch this for a non-denial denial. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's... Is, this is I really a, don't know okay. the answer is. That's you don't know yes answer. or no if the laptop was I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was, the, that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. And you, you didn't drop off a laptop to no. be repaired no. in Delaware? Not no. that I remember at all. At all. So... We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, maybe I dropped it off at the hardware store or maybe it was Russian intelligence. I mean, what are, the, what are those? Um, I do. I will say this. I mean, there is an advantage that he's a former drug addict. I hope it's former. Seriously, I don't want Hunter to relapse. But he can always say, oh, I was high. Oh, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. So we got to get this book, Laptop from Hell, available, uh, I guess, wherever books are sold, starting 
tomorrow. In the meantime, the media's favorite, Pete Buttigieg, ooh, they're trying to elevate him once again. They want to make him president? Uh, Politico wrote a piece that amid all of our crises as Americans, he's having a great time. And he says this as Secretary of Transportation, this is the least I have had to think about campaigns and elections in about a decade, and that's a very good thing. Well, something tells me he misses the campaign trail because he's still making uh, little public appearances. Oh, yeah, the th three-month-long paternity. But I'm talking about this, a commercial that he made. And you tell me, this looks a lot like a campaign commercial, but we paid for it. Now, I'm in the market for some running gear, so I'm going to visit a business right here by the DOT headquarters in Navy Yard. I'm, I'm Pete. Alega. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having us through. I definitely need to get some of these. I'm building my comfort level with the en route nutrition. Yeah. All right. I'm definitely getting these. Well, I could probably use some socks. All right. So he is the Secretary of Transportation, and he's telling us how to shop. We already knew how to do that, Pete. Again, this is a government paid for commercial. Total nonsense. And we have a crisis right now. Those ships at the ports, they're still there. They're, we're still not unloading them. And uh, he's screwing around, doing what he does best, running for office. That's all. That's what they love to do. That's fun. Governing, that is a drag. Uh, Got to tell you this, by the way, about Michael Cohen, President Trump's, uh, well, he ran errands for him for a long time. He was on Meet the Press yesterday. Um, I think he made a fool out of himself, not to mention how he dressed. I mean, I hate Meet the Press, but you're supposed to wear a tie when you're on a show like that. Uh, listen to him. What I gave to them are thousands and thousands of documents. Every statement that I make, I've backed up with documentary evidence. I truly believe that they could indict Donald Trump tomorrow if they really wanted and be successful. That part of my life I'm trying to put right. behind me, I'm trying to move forward. Now the goal is to ensure that those people who are responsible become responsible for their dirty deeds. Uh, this is one of the dumbest, weirdest guys I've ever seen. Um, he wasn't really Donald Trump's lawyer. I am going to fault Donald Trump for ever letting a guy like this into his orbit. Uh, I've actually spent a little bit of time with Michael Cohen, and I have to tell you, it was very, very memorable and very, very strange. I participated in a walkathon for St. Jude's Hospital back in 2014. Eric Trump, son of the president, was raising money for St. Jude's Hospital. An amazing thing. And guess who I walked with? Well, there's Eric on the left. There's me on the right with those Elvis glasses. And that's Michael Cohen in the middle. So anyway, Michael and I spent time talking uh, for about four miles as we walked the walk. And uh, all I can tell you is... There's something wrong upstairs, and I knew it back then. He has absolutely no sense of reality, has no idea what's going on again. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it at that for now. We'll be right back with some information about January 6th and why haven't they told us more about Rosalind Boyland. Information. Truth is freedom, is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Okay, so personally, I think Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's still alive. If he took a billion dollars and said to one of the guards, 
this is yours. If you can get me out of here, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a legitimate question. Meanwhile, his old friend there, Ghislaine Maxwell, is on trial for uh, child sex trafficking in uh, federal court here in New York City. Um, here's something totally weird. Remember James Comey, the disgraced former FBI director who screwed that job up every way you could screw a job up? Well, he has a daughter who's an assistant U.S. attorney. Her name is Maureen, and uh, she will be one of the prosecutors. She'll be one of the prosecutors. That doesn't seem right. That seems very, very swampy. All right. Now, nothing against her. I hear she's very well qualified to be an assistant U.S. attorney. But there are a lot of people in trouble. Not this case. Not this case. Joe DeGeneva, former U.S. attorney himself, will join us in just a little bit. We'll ask him about that. Oh, by the way, the judge here happens to be an Obama appointee. Uh, I think that's a matter of concern as well. But who knows? Who knows? All right, now this. Democrats in Congress have been selectively putting out video from January 6th, trying to besmirch, trying to discredit anybody who voted for President Trump or anybody who had concerns about the election. Very selective videos. I noticed this, however, over the Thanksgiving break. Take a look at these Capitol Hill cops. It looks like them doing what appears to me like a Rodney King-style beatdown on someone. Uh, what's this all about? That Capitol Hill Police Department, they've got big problems, and we have real questions for them. We don't want to bring up four Trump haters and let them hate on Trump at a hearing. That's not a hearing. These guys need to be straightened out. All right. Also this. What happened to Roseanne Boyland? Now, a, a woman uh, in her 30s from Georgia. She was there on January 6th. She died. We don't know how. Now, some have tried to say, well, it was just a drug overdose. Doesn't appear that way. Could be far more complicated. And was she assisted when they were begging for help? Take a look at this. So what happened to her? How was she treated? We don't have the full story. You know, the January 6th committee, they want to find out what uh, Steve Bannon said in some podcast. I want to know how she was treated. That's what we should have a commission for, a real commission. Maybe someday we'll get a fair one. All right. Also this. Oh, Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, of all people, talking about January 6th. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? <laughs> well, Dr. Fauci, what we're talking about is your dishonesty. And when you're not being dishonest, you're being downright confusing. The mutations would strongly suggest that it would be more transmissible and that it might evade some of the protection of monoclonal antibodies and convalescent plasma and perhaps even antibodies that are induced by vaccine. Uh, this is the public health uh, face of public health. 
He is the worst spokesperson. Uh, when he's not wrong, you just can't understand what he's talking about. That's his MO. I don't think he wants us understanding what he's talking about because when we do, we can figure out pretty easily that he's often wrong. Hey, I have to say this about um, the election last year. You know, Attorney General Barr, they always say, well, he found that there was no evidence of voter fraud whatsoever, none. Uh, that's their go-to line, right? President Trump's own attorney general spoke the long-known truth. There is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The attorney general of the United States, William Barr, has just debunked President Trump's claims of widespread election fraud. U.S. Attorney General William Barr has dealt a fresh blow to President Trump's claims of widespread election fraud. Barr told the Associated Press today that, quote, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. Well, something about Attorney General Barr. He's not the last word on this, first of all. But I think that deep down, he may have had much more serious concerns about the election. Now, here's my clue. Back in the summer, months before the election, when they were mailing out ballots to everybody, he was concerned. In fact, you tell me, I think he was downright worried that something horrible could happen. So far, we haven't seen widespread fraud. But you, so far, we haven't tried it. Well, and the point is that a lot of us, uh, there are several states that only have mail-in voting, including a Republican Well, state this like is Utah. playing with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government, and people trying to change the rules to this, to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous, and the people are playing with fire. So uh, people were playing with fire, and I think he knows that, and I think that he just wasn't up to, and he had concerns about the wellness of the country. He didn't want to go there, but I think there was a there there. Don't you? We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. And with that tragedy in Wisconsin where a man drove his SUV into a Christmas parade, at least five people were killed and more than 40 injured. We learned today that the driver, now facing intentional homicide charges, was out on bond after he allegedly punched the mother of his child and intentionally ran her over with the same vehicle at a Milwaukee gas station earlier this month. NBC News has confirmed that the person of interest, the driver in this case, his name is Daryl Brooks. He's 39 years old from Wisconsin right now. So far, he's not been charged with a crime. He's just being called the person of interest. Uh, the person of interest did it. A car did it. Uh, an SUV did it. Allegedly, it was this guy, Daryl Brooks. You'll notice that the coverage um, avoided talking about his race. Now, why is that relevant? Well, if you look at Daryl Brooks's social media profile, he seemed to have a lot of grudges against white people. Now, 
if the situation were reversed, of course, uh, it would be all race all the time. What's happening here? I think we know, but it deserves a discussion. Let's bring in Charles Love. He is host of The Charles Love Show. He's also the author of the new book, Race Crazy, BLM 1619 and the Progressive Racism Movement published by Emancipation, Emancipation Books this month, and also Mark Simone, iHeartRadio talk show host. Welcome to you both. Charles, first to you, the, uh, the, the contrast is, is pretty startling. I have my own theories. What do you think's going on here? Well, it's like most stories. They, 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 it's weird. Everything's about race, but not when you don't want it to be about race. I don't know the guy's intention because I don't pay attention to all these these nut jobs, because I believe that some people are evil, so I know you're going to have bad things happen. But if you're going to report the news a certain way, that should be the way you report the news. So you can't be when a white guy does something. It's all race. It's like he must have done this because he's white. And then now it's just like not just his race. It's like they didn't want to. They, they were apprehensive about saying he did anything wrong. It's like, well, maybe he fell asleep. You know, you know, it was that kind of thing. And, I, you know, I don't know why they do it. I mean, it, it's obviously intentional and it's it's you know it's definitely not even killed so there's a problem with the way they reported yeah mark uh it's it's again it's so dramatic and it's so obvious what do you think they're thinking why hold it back like this i think they don't care i think it's so obvious i mean it's just, uh, it's it, i mean this is just total fabrication of everything you know it used to be uh, years ago when they had a conservative on, like Miranda Devine is on Meet the Press, they would always say conservative columnist Miranda Devine. But when David Brooks was on, they'd never say liberal columnist. Well, we, we learned to live with that, but this has gone too far. You got the uh, Kenosha incident where nobody is black. Everybody is white in the story. It's, it's a racist incident, discussion about race. Here is a guy who's an avowed racist. He declared himself a racist. He's called for violence against white people. If you look at the diagram, he didn't accidentally hit somebody. He hit a lot of people over a three-block uh, area. He just kept going. It was deliberate. It was a terrorist attack and a, the biggest racist incident in the last 30 years. Where's, where's the mention of that? You know, and when we have a racist attack, we do talk about it. And when Dylan Roof, the white supremacist, attacked those good people in that church. And Barack Obama, I think, very appropriately went to the church and visited with the people. And we had a discussion. But we're not doing it now. And by the way, people of color are capable of violence. And they are capable of doing it just like Dylan Roof, motivated by horrible things like like racist hate against white people. Let's go through it. 2017, it happened in Fresno. Corey Ali Muhammad. Uh, it happened in Tennessee. Emmanuel Cadega Sampson in Dallas. Uh, Micah Xavier Johnson. Uh, I and it go, the list goes on and on and on. And we're only scratching the surface. Now you do have bad people. I'm going to use that that infamous phrase on both sides. Uh, Charles Love. The both sides. I hate it. No, but yeah, no, but really, you know, what it is, is though is we know there's evil, like we mentioned. The problem is they have an agenda and they're pushing it. So CNN, to their credit, they wrote a report about a week later they were gonna have a moment of silence after this man drove his car and hit people. But the people on their website put out a tweet saying after a week they're gonna have a moment of silence because a car drove through the crowd. And I talk a lot about education and the culture. And this culture is going here because we know most of the media on social media for these large companies are being run by younger people. And this is just the way they think. They don't think there's anything wrong with changing the way they talk, 
if they're talking about people of color or if they're talking about white people. It's okay to talk about it differently. Just say wrong is wrong and report the news. Don't try to make the news. That would be great. That would be great. But I have a montage here and you'll hear the um, the venom and the disdain when mainstream media talk about white people accused of committing horrible, horrible crimes, which does happen. But again, the whiteness seems to be part of what they did wrong. Take a look. Here's a suspect. OK, he's a 21 year old white man, this 21 year old white male mass murderer. The suspect in custody is white. Police say a 28-year-old white male carrying two handguns crashed a stolen truck into a building. It's humanizing the shooter once again. Yeah, and well. can I point out that the shooter is a white man who is alive after they knew that he had killed eight people. I mean, the contrast is pretty wild, uh, Mark. A, again, being white suddenly seems to be just inherently wrong. Well, it, it, the, I mean, the coverage is ridiculous. Not only will they not use the word black anywhere in the story, but there's usually a million sidebars to the story. And The New York Times hasn't done anything in four days on this. Where's the story about the 18 kids in the hospital right now who are having trouble getting treated because of the vaccine mandate? Not enough employees. Where's the story about why, why hasn't uh, President Biden called the families? Why hasn't he visited the area? Where, where are all these stories? Where, where's all the coverage of this guy's uh, Twitter account where he praised Hitler, where he called for violence against white people. Where are all these articles? There's plenty to talk about here. It's uh, it's incredible. Well, gentlemen, I thank you very much. Hey, Charles, with the time we have left, and it's not much, tell us a little bit about your very timely book, Race Crazy, BLM 1619, and the Progressive Racism Movement. Well, quickly, it's just about that. It's everything is being looked looked at through a lens of race, so everything is racist, yet, like this case you're talking about, they don't want to talk about it when they can talk about it. So I think it obfuscates the real problems. We don't talk about fine solutions because we just keep talking about race. In that, in that last segment you showed, they can keep saying white if they want, if they did it and said black every time the, the, the criminal was black, and they don't do it. So to treat people equally means treat them equally. So glad we talked about this. To be continued, gentlemen, Charles Love, Mark Simone. Be right back. Thank you. All right. Jeffrey Epstein, the late Jeffrey Epstein. I personally believe he was murdered, but who knows? His uh, friend, Ghislaine Maxwell, is currently on trial in federal court here in New York City, accused with uh, numerous counts of child sex trafficking. She is in a lot of trouble. This is interesting, though, for a lot of reasons. Uh, do you remember disgraced FBI director Jim Comey? He screwed up everything there was to screw up as FBI director. There he is. I mean, he totally blew it. It was an embarrassment. Get this. His daughter is an assistant U.S. attorney. Her name is Maureen. Now, I'm sure she's a nice person and a great lawyer, but somehow she's on this case. She is one of the prosecutors. She's in that room prosecuting uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. That doesn't seem right to me, but I'd like to bring in an expert. We have with us Joe DeGeneva, former U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C. First of all, Joe, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Great. Fantastic. Good. Joe, uh, this just does not seem right. Uh, let's face it, uh, Comey has problems and tentacles all over the place. There are so many cases to prosecute. Why is his daughter in that courtroom? 
Well, other than for Michael Corleone and his father Vito, I do not believe in visiting the sins of the father upon the son. But I think the optics of this are a little strange. And as with everything else in the world today, they raise a bunch of questions. Um, I must say that she is a woman, obviously, and that's important since all the major lawyers in that courtroom today were women, because this is a case about the sexual abuse of very, very young girls. Uh, they're women now, but they were girls when they were allegedly abused. Uh, obviously, someone may be trying to help Maureen uh, in her future in the office. She's 32 years old. She's young. You wouldn't call her a seasoned prosecutor. Uh, that's pretty young, 32. But um, I've never heard anything bad about her. But uh, her presence in the courtroom is for some reason. And I can't I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I'm sure she's qualified to be there. I looked it up. She went to Harvard Law School. Uh, you know, it's a competitive uh, it's competitive to get one of these jobs. I'm sure she deserves it. But the optics are weird. And do me a favor, just as far as FBI directors go, just how bad was James Comey? Well, I think he's probably the worst FBI director in history. Um, Hoover had his faults. Uh, no question about that. But Comey did some things uh, during his tenure, particularly the Hillary Clinton exoneration, where he usurped the power of the attorney general uh, and exonerated Hillary when he did not have the legal uh, statutory or constitutional authority to do so. What was amazing was uh, that the attorney general at the time did not fire him for doing what he did, but because she was so compromised for her meeting on the tarmac with Bill Clinton about the Hillary Clinton investigation, she couldn't do anything about it. Uh, Comey manipulated the, the FBI, he manipulated the Justice Department, and in his effort to help Hillary, he did disastrous damage to her presidential campaign. Um, he acted like a thug, uh, like a mafia don uh, that he was supposed to be investigating. And again, I think he's the worst FBI director in history. No, I uh, I tend to concur. But your opinion, you're you're an expert, and you've uh, you've worked in those circles, of course, for many years. Hey, back to the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell trial for a moment. The judge is an Obama appointee, and I don't think that's inherently one way or the other. But she is apparently up for a nomination to the appeals court. There she is, and there was this in the New York Times of all places. They're calling it a wrinkle in the case. Uh, the president has nominated Judge Allison J. Nathan for a seat on a federal appeals court. Uh, does this mean anything? Is this uh, is this an issue or is it just, uh, you know, that's life? Uh, it's that's life. Uh, I must say, if I were the judge sitting in this case, I would want to do everything I could to be just punctilious about everything and every ruling. Uh, this is a this is a very big case because it involves the rights of young children in a sexual abuse case of international proportions involving very famous people. Uh, and I think the judge is going to be uh, uh, just so concerned about the way she looks that she will keep everything within bounds. Uh, it's an unfortunate, another example of unfortunate optics in a very big case. A case like this does not need this. Well, Joe DeGeneva, former U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C., we thank you once again. Please come back soon. You're the best. You bet. All right. We'll be right back.
a liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Hey, good to be back. Uh, Have a great night. Stand by for Stinchfield and uh, talk tomorrow.